If you're a guest today, uh, we have seven days left, and we would like for you to join us. I'm serious. You go on our website. There's a slide. This is the front page of the website. See where it says 21 days? You just click on 21 days right there. And each one of those days, there is a, about a one-minute video blog on the topic of the day to pray for. So if you've, if you've missed the first 14, we invite you to, to do this with us the next seven days. Love to have you be a part of this. And again, it's not about the food. It's about what? It's about the prayer. It is. So we're fasting. We're fasting for breakthroughs. We're fasting for power. We're fasting for connection. We're fasting for changes. And we're fasting for, for victories. Now, you've also surfaced some really good questions during this series. And so I just want to put about six or seven of those on the screen right now. You've given me some really good questions. And you've asked a lot about fasting. So here are some of the more common ones that continue to come up. Number one, if I'm supposed to fast, why do I never hear about it at church? It's a good question. And I think I told you the very first week, I went through Bible college, went through seminary, preached 16 years in Memphis, and never once really taught about it. And yet, as you look at the scriptures, there's 17 different stories, there's seven different fasts. It's not just the Old Testament, it's the New Testament, Annas in the New Testament, Barnabas in the New Testament, Peter, Jane, uh, not Peter, Peter and Paul, and Jesus. So there's lots of different examples of, of biblical fasting. Number two. Isn't fasting practiced by unbelieving religions? It is. There's a lot of different religions that, that practice fasting. Uh, Muslims would, would be one of them. But of course, that came 700 years after Christianity, so they got it from the Bible. Number three, what if I don't feel the need to fast? Well, oftentimes people fast because there's a, a specific need or there's something going on in their life. And so Maybe it's not something that you feel the need for, but I don't know that I ever feel the need to fast. I don't know that I ever like to fast, to be honest with you. I just know that it's good. It accomplishes great things. Number four, what if I just don't have the time? I think that's a really good question, but I find that I have more time. You're not running to Publix to get the bourbon. You're not running to Starbucks, you know, to get, to get your frappuccino. I, I think you have more time. So, so what if I don't have the time? I've, I've found just the opposite. I think that you have more time to fast because of this. Number five, will God always give me what I ask for if I add fasting to my prayers? I, I actually like that question because I, I think that person's really saying, I want to get God in on my deal. I don't think they were asking this like God's a genie and I'm going to rub the genie and get, I think, I think they're asking, how do I get God's ear? How do I hear from God a little bit more clearly? What, what I think the right answer to that question is, is that during a fast, you will receive answers to your requests and it may not be the answer you want, but part of fasting gives you answers for God's great response. And so, again, it's the ears to hear. Number six, should I fast for blessings for myself or for someone else? That's an uh-huh answer. Yes, you should fast for both. You should fast for yourself. You should fast for great spiritual breakthroughs for you. But maybe there are people in your family that need Christ or they need a job or they have health issues. I thought one of the neatest 
uh, emails that came to me was a guy has given up hamburgers. And he said, I love hamburgers. And I thought, that's kind of cool. And as I kept reading it, he said, I'm doing this because I'm fasting for my sister who has cancer. And I thought, yeah, I like that. Right, right on. Good, good for him. Number seven. Is it possible for Christians to get caught up in fasting and go too far with it? The answer is yes. It's possible for Christians to do something over the top in every area. Yes, it definitely is. And you can go crazy with this, and it's not about the food. We're not, we're not wanting you to go crazy. Okay, switching gears, I want you to remember a definition of fasting. Biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. I'm not putting it on the screen because I want to put it in your mind. Biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Okay, everybody 35 years of age and younger, stand up. Because you're going to get this the fastest, and you're going to help me teach the rest of them, okay? Because okay? your synapses are still firing pretty quick, all right? So we're going to do this together. Ready? Say it with me. Biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Here we go again. You didn't do quite as good as I thought you'd do, all right? Here we go. Biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. One more time. Biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Now, the rest of you that wished you could have stood up with them, stand up. Everybody together. Everybody stand up together. Here we go. Somebody said on the front row, that's cold. That's cold. No, it's just age. It's just reality. Okay, here we go. Biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. One more time. Biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. You got it. Sit down. What we've looked at is we've looked at Daniel, we've looked at Ezra, and we've looked at Esther. Now, the Daniel fast is a partial fast, and Daniel fasted for 21 days. It's why he fasted is what I want you to get. Why did Daniel fast? Daniel was given a vision. He was given a vision, a revelation, and he didn't know what to do with it. It's just like you. If God gives you an idea, God tells you at age 15 or 17 or 18, I want you to do this or go be this, and you're not quite sure how, I would fast. Or God gives you a business idea, a dream, I would fast. Lord, show me how. The Daniel fast was to make known the how to do the vision. And God is constantly coming to you and to me with different ideas. Lord, show me how to do this. That's the Daniel fast. Daniel was 21 days, and it was a partial fast. Compare that, though, to Esther. Esther was a three-day fast, and it was a complete fast. No food, no drink for three days. We're not recommending that. We're recommending just the opposite, drink lots of, not bourbon, but lots of water, lots of fluids, drink lots of, you know, juice or whatever. But the, but the Esther fast was three days. Now, Esther was in trouble, and Esther needed favor. This applies to everybody in the room. If you're not in trouble today, you will be in trouble tomorrow. You can have a medical, you can be in trouble medically. You could be in trouble vocationally. You could be in trouble relationally. You could be in trouble. You just you could just start name. You might get robbed. You might have a car accident. You don't know what trouble you can. Have. So so this this Esther fast was a fast about we're in trouble and we need your favor. And so again, I think we all need and want God's favor. We all may need the favor of a coach. 
We may need the favor of a teacher. We may need the favor of a certain employer. And so the, the Esther fast was for trouble. We're in trouble. And second of all, we want favor. So Daniel fast, 21 days, partial. Esther fast, three days complete. The Ezra fast, you asked me about this last week as I preached on Ezra. Great, great question. We don't know how long the Ezra fast was for. It doesn't say. And we don't know what he fasted from. It doesn't say. But we do know the three categories that were on, Esther, on Ezra's mind. Number one was for direction. Show me the right direction for my life. Now, I would never buy a car without fasting. I would never buy a house without fasting. I would never take a new job without fasting. I would never move from one city or one state. I would never, anything that requires, I would never go to college without fasting. I would never pursue a degree program without fasting. What is your direction for my life? That's just what Ezra did, and it's what's offered to you and I today. I would never do that. I think it's foolish because of the potential power that we have in fasting to get clarity. Number two, not only did Ezra fast for the right direction for his life, but he fasted for his kids and all the kids around him and future generations. Now, I can't think of, again, something much more important than our children and the future generations of our children. Our children's ministry here at this church rocks. Our student ministry at this church is outstanding. Why? Because we've got a whole bunch of dedicated, committed people leaning in, dialing in for children and for middle schoolers and high schoolers because that's our future. And so the Ezra fast was he was praying and fasting for future generations. I would definitely fast for your kids. I would definitely fast for your grandkids and for their future. Thirdly, the Ezra fast was for finances. He fasted for resources. Now, churches tend to go to one or two directions. They tend to go to the health and wealth gospel, or they've just become silent about money. The Bible talks more about money than any other topic combined. 2,351 verses just on money. If Jesus were your preacher, every third Sunday, Jesus would be preaching on money and stuff. One-third of the parables are all on resources and money. So Ezra is praying for them to have money and resources, and that's what we should be praying for. Great jobs, great money, wise money management, so that we can use these resources to help fund and build the kingdom of God. So the Ezra fast, the Daniel fast, and the Esther fast are three that we looked at, and there's a whole bunch more. All right, there's a verse that I want you to commit to memory. Maybe put it on your phones or your iPads or your computers this week, or maybe plaster it on your refrigerator. It's a verse that applies to fasting. It doesn't necessarily mean they were fasting, but it certainly is a verse that connects with fasting. And this is a verse that we use at 4th of July, and it becomes a very, it's a very patriotic verse, which it certainly applies to that. But here's this verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, if my people, this is a verse I'd like for you to hold on to for the week. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Now, you can't fast and be arrogant. 
You can pray and still be humble, but you can't be fasting and be an arrogant person because fasting reminds us of how fragile we are. You go off sugar for a couple days, how'd that make you feel? You go off coffee for a couple days, how'd that make you feel? I drink these venti, unsweet green teas that are full of caffeine. Man, they're good. The second day, I thought I needed to go on an island by myself. Okay? You can't fast and, and, and think that you're big and bad and arrogant. It shows you how fragile we really are as, as human beings. And so the point of this verse is, if my people, and I'm all for America and I'm concerned about America, but I'm not like a lot of other people who think, you know, I'm all worried about our future because I'm more worried about us. If my people, the Christians, the believers, if my people who are called by my name, oh, preacher, they've taken prayer out of the schools. I'm not worried about prayer out of the schools. I'm worried about, I'm worried about prayer in the homes we got prayer in the homes. Who cares if it's in the school? First 300 years of Christianity, those early Christians, every emperor was against Christianity. Every emperor was anti-Christian. They didn't worry about having the Ten Commandments on the wall. They were, I worry about, do we have the Ten Commandments on our hearts? Do we live and breathe and understand the Ten Commandments? If my people not all the other heathen nations, not the other people. Who, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from my wicked ways, then he has an incredible promise here at the end. I'm going to hear, I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to heal. That's the direction that you want. You want this to be a part of your life. So I want to give you six more reasons why we fast. I gave you 10 the first week, 10 the second week. I want to give you six today. So I'm going to give you 26 reasons to fast, okay? Yes. All right, here we go. The seven of you that are awake and alert and paying attention, here we go. All right, number one. And by the way, I'm going to ask for something great in just a minute. I'm leading towards something great for you. I'm going to ask a great challenge of you. It's not for me, it's not for the church, it's not for anybody else but you. So in just about 10 minutes from now, I'm going to ask you to do something great. I'm going to challenge you to do something huge for you and for God. Fasting is a biblical way to humble ourselves in the sight of God. It just makes you humble. Can you be humble without fasting? I think you can. But I know you can't be arrogant and fast at the same time. It's impossible. It comes from Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. Ezra says there by the Ivana Canal, I proclaim to fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us, our children, and all our possessions. So humility. Fasting brings humility. Number two, fasting provides more time to pray and seek God's face. Uh, I really think it does. I don't think it's a time issue. I think it gives us a little bit of a focus to be able to pray and to fast. Number three, fasting allows the Holy Spirit to reveal our true spiritual conditions. See, one of the things that God does during a fast is he's like knocking on your door. He's revealing some spiritual truths to you about you that probably everybody else knows. It's just been a blind spot to you. 
And so God's revealing things to you. Why, why do you talk so much? Why, why do you not stand up and talk enough? Why, why are you so angry? Why, why do you think, you know, you have a victim mentality? Dur- during a fast, God begins to have these spiritual revelations and breakthroughs for you, and he's going to lead you in a challenge of growth. He will reveal spiritual conditions in your life on where he wants you to go. Number four, fasting helps us to concentrate on the Bible more clearly. It's almost as like you're, you're reading the Bible in, in the font size 12, and then during a fast, it's almost like font size 20. All of a sudden, those verses just got larger and they're emboldened. It's like, wow, where did that come from? I've read that verse 10 times. I've just kind of read read over it. Now all of a sudden the verse just pops off the page. This is what a fasting will do. And so again, I want to say it's not about the food because if fasting's about the food, all you've done is gone on a diet. If fasting's about the food, all you've done is starve yourself. Fasting is refraining from food for a a spiritual purpose. And so a fast is we're fasting from food because food is how it gets my attention and I think about food. And then I combine that with prayer and I combine that with scripture. And then you've got this incredible, incredible chemical reaction. It's like fasting's the catalyst. Remember the catalyst in high school chemistry? Some of you are still there. You're right there now. But, but it's these change agents. And so what a fast does is it, it, combi- it, it has a change agent and combines prayer and scripture together. And then there's power. And then there's these incredible breakthroughs. Number five, fasting transforms prayer into a richer, more personal experience. You've already expressed that to me. Many of you have already written about that. That you've never fasted before. And quite frankly, you weren't real stoked about this one either, but you did it, and you're shocked on how closer to Jesus you are already in 2014. And see, this is the critical time when all these New Year's resolutions fall off the wagon. About now, they all kind of dissipate and go down the drain, but with us, a fast heightens these spiritual you know, goals and dreams that we have to be closer to our Heavenly Father. Number six. Now, here's the one I want to talk about. This is the big one. After we get through with this, I'm going to ask you to do something great in just a few minutes. Because this is what we're really trying to do today. Fasting moves you from partial victory to total victory. And let's be honest. Nobody wants partial victories. Oh, they're good, but they're not great. They don't keep moving. They don't keep going the right direction. So how in the world can you move from partial victories to total victories? And you have some victory in your life. You have some victories because you're self-disciplined. You have some victories because you're in a good family. You have some victories because you're in a small group. You have some, but there are some areas of your life that if you're honest, you do not have total victory. And you've probably given up by now because you've tried for six or seven or eight years and you've prayed about it and you've worked on it and you've done everything you can, but you're still not victorious in a couple of areas of your life. I'm going to explain all that in just a second. First, I want to talk to you about a story and you can turn there if you want, but I'd rather you just kind of listen to it. It comes from 2 Kings chapter 13. I'm going to write it down. Great. 
2 Kings chapter 13, about verse 17, there's a story where Elisha, it's his last act. Elisha is this great prophet of God, but this is his last thing that God's going to ask him to do. And God asks Elisha to go to the king of Israel and tell the king of Israel, take these arrows and beat them on the ground. As many times as he beats on the ground, that's as many victories as he'll have over the Arminians. Now, the Arminians are causing all kind of guerrilla warfare, and they don't fight fair. The Arminians come to the Israelites, and they're like, steal a sheep, or come and steal a lamb, or they come at night and burn out, you know, a portion of the city, or, or they come and they rob somebody and burn somebody's house. And so the Arminians are just like bad flies at a family reunion. They're all the time causing havoc and causing problems. And so Elisha is sent by God. God's promising victory to the king of Israel. And all the king has to do is take his arrows and just beat them on the ground. And as many times as he beats on the ground, that's as many victories as he'll have over the Arminians. And he'll go from partial victory to total victory. So the king takes the arrows and he taps the ground once, and he yawns, and he taps the ground twice, and he does something else, and taps the ground three times, and just throws down the arrows. Elisha is livid. And basically he's saying, you idiot. You could have had complete victory. You didn't believe. You didn't trust. You struck the ground three times. You'll have three victories over the Arminians and only three. But you could have had 50 victories over them and completely annihilated them and wiped them out. But because you did this, you will get three victories. And sure enough, right after this, Elisha dies and the king of Israel has three victories with the Arminians and that's it. And the Arminians are back, stealing sheep, stealing lamb, burning them out, causing all kinds of problems. You see, in our lives today, I'm convinced that we can go from partial victory to total victory in our lives. And I'm convinced that our Heavenly Father wants to give us total victory. Now, let me clarify this. Because you already have complete victory when it comes to Christ. I want to talk about the flesh and the soul. But in the spirit, your spirit, when you become a Christian, you're lily white. Your spirit's clean. Your spirit's white. Your sins have been cleansed. Your sins have been forgiven. They've been dumped to the bottom of the sea. They are remembered no more. They are removed as far as the east is from the west complete victory. It can't get any better than that in the spirit. When you become a Christian, all your sins are washed away. You get to go to heaven. It's great. I want to talk about the flesh, the the soul, not the spirit, but the soul. Your battle and my battle is always in the soul. It's not in the spirit. It's the soul. And so where is it in your life in the soul that you've gotten partial victory. You're not as angry as you used to be. You maybe don't drink as much alcohol as you used to. Maybe, you know, you've had this ability to kind of master your insecurity a little bit. You're not quite as fearful and anxious as you used to be. You've gotten partial victories in your relationship with God. But if you're honest, you're stuck. And there's something that's still mastering you. 
I think God gave this on my heart this week. I've never preached on the arrows and the king, and the king of Israel and Elisha. Never, they've never even come up. I think this is for you and me. That you and me, we go to war against the soul and we begin to see how God can change and transform us to complete victory. How can God bring complete victory? And so where, where is it that we need complete victory? You already know where you need complete victory. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's greed. Maybe you're just not very generous. You're just cheap and tight with money. Maybe you're worried and fearful. I, I know a woman who's taken down all the mirrors in her house because of insecurity. She's taken every mirror down in her house because she's so worried about that. I know men who are so successful in my eyes, in the eyes of everybody, and they go to work every day fearful, fearful, fearful because they feel like failures. What about food? What about forgiveness? Yeah, I've forgiven him a little bit. Yeah, it's been 12 years. I forgave her a little bit. It's been 27 years. I, I probably should forgive her. I just, I can't forgive her. It's just got me. I just can't get over this. Where in your life, you're still carrying around that victim mentality of something that happened to you in childhood? Where is it in your life that you need, not partial, you need complete victory? And this fast may not bring complete victory in every area of your life. You may have to do this again next year or next month or two years from now, but, but this is a start, and you begin to see that I'm going to God, and the fast is humbling myself because I can't do it. As much as smart as I am, as self-disciplined as I am, I can't seem to get over this hump. Where is that in your life? So last January, uh, Danita and I, just said, okay, we're going to do this 21-day fast ourselves. We're going to do it underneath the radar. We're not going to tell anybody. We're going to do it. And we put all these things on there and on our list. And, and, and some of them, we had some breakthroughs, sort of. And, and we said, all right, we're going to do it again. So we, we did it another 21 days, and we, we did it another 21 days. We did it actually 63 days. And so if, if, if you don't have a better attitude about the parking lot, we're going to do this two more times. Just <laughs> good. Just good. Just good. So... I enjoyed that, actually. That was for me. Um, so at age 37, I told you this the first week, at age 37, um, I, I, I no longer slept through the night. I no longer could sleep all the way through at age 37. I can blame it on building programs. I can blame it on relocation programs. This is in Memphis. I can blame it on hearing all the silly stories that everybody tells me, horror stories from you. But, but, but at the end of the day, at age 37, I'm on Tylenol PM and I'm on Benadryl just to sleep through the night. And Danita hated that. It's not good for you. Oldest daughter, Erica, you're building up toxins. And so, all right, God, all right, I'm going to bring it to you. I can't do this. I cannot sleep seven to eight hours a night without waking up and being awake for two hours. I can't do it. I mean, we're talking, we're talking from 37 to 52 years of age. Okay, we're not talking about six months. And so that was my, that was my breakthrough last year. At the end of January, 
I began to realize he does give me power. He does give me help. He does restore me. He does renew me. He can do this. He will do this. He is doing this. The Christmas Eve service that I think everybody in the Florida was here for, uh, I, I rewrote the Christmas Eve sermon five times. I rewrote it five times. First time I wrote the Christmas Eve sermon, I thought, that is amateur night. Second time I rewrote it, I went, that makes me sick, much less the people. Third time I rewrote the sermon, I'm, I'm struggling. What is up with, I cannot get a piece about this. The fourth time I rewrote the, I realized it was for me. I was preaching on restlessness. And I thought, this is really funny. It's not for anybody else. It's for me. This sermon is for me. And how do I get that peace that comes from Christ each night? I wake up restless and anxious and pushing and driving and wanting to, okay, God, all right, that's not, that's not your will for my life, to have the engine revved in the red every single day. That's not your will for me. And so mine this time is on peace and rest. And I, I, I don't think I'm there yet, but for 14 days, I've had more peace in my life than I can remember probably when I was your guys' age. So where in your life do you need a total breakthrough? You see, what happens during the fast is those scriptures then just get larger than life. It's that Philippians 4.13, which says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's not saying that I could do it. If I could do it, I already would have done it. If you could do it, you already have total victory. But you can't do it. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's the 1 John 4, 4, which says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I begin to realize that when I'm swayed or persuaded or being tempted, greater is God inside of me then my flesh are the temptations that are outside of me. It's the Romans 8, 31. If God is for me, who can be against me? And the answer is nobody. If God is for you, who can be against you? Nobody can be against you. And my favorite of these is 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. And 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 basically says God always leads you into victory. I love that verse. Our Heavenly Father is always leading you and me toward the victory line. And so where is it in your life that you need not partial, but complete victory? I challenge you to lay it on the line. I challenge you to fast this next week from whatever it is, some food item that means something to you. And every day you come to him with your necessary breakthrough and you just see if he's big enough and strong enough and willing enough to transform your biggest challenge. My $20 is on him. It's on him because he's never lost yet. Now, it may not happen the first fast. It may take a second one. I'm not going to guarantee that. What I am going to do is I'm going to challenge you to step up and challenge him by fasting, by humbling yourself, and by praying. And so where is it? Is it anger? Is it 
greed? Is it money? Is it lust? Is it insecurity? Is it food? Is it fear? Is it forgiveness? I, I don't know. The Holy Spirit's already going ding, 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 ding. You already know right now, don't you? You already know. I'm going to look at you. You don't have to shake your head, nod at me, but you already know. Everybody in the room knows. So I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come down front. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I just want to pray over you right now. And maybe, maybe complete victory for you is you're partially kind of in the church. You're partially kind of, you know, trying to lean toward Christ. But, but you've re- really never given your life to Jesus. I want to encourage you today to give your life all to Jesus Christ and let him forgive you of all of your sins, past, present, and future, and let him work on your soul, your very flesh. Maybe today you'd like to come forward and be prayed for and be prayed over by one of our prayer partners. And so you've gotten some complete, some partial victory, but you still want somebody to be praying for you and praying over you. I've struggled with this for six months. I've struggled with this for 66 years. Whatever your issue is, you come down front and see, that's humbling yourself. That's humbling yourself when you come down front and you ask somebody else for help to pray for you and pray over you. Father God, I thank you for my friends in this room. And I thank you for the challenge that we have to put all our hope and all our trust in you. And Lord, wherever it is that my brothers and my sisters and my friends and our guests in this room are struggling, lead us to victory. Lead us not to partial victory, not to a little bit of victory, but Lord, lead us to slam dunk victory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.